Good morning, lads. How are you, Jaron and Owen? If you start the day with a good energy. Good morning, Jaron and Owen. How are we doing, lads? Yeah, good. Off the ball, breakfast. Live every weekday morning from 7.30 on your smart speaker. Just ask Alexa to play OTB Sports Radio. There's no f***ing filler. Off the ball, breakfast. With Optimum Nutrition, the official performance nutrition partners of the Gaelic Players Association and Leinster Rugby. Jesse Parker Humphreys, freelance women's football writer, has joined us this morning. Jesse, how are things? Good, thanks. How are you guys? Very good. Thanks, Manila, for hopping on. Um, it's, it's hard to know where to start. It's a, it's a big night in the WSL, and there's been, been some uh, cracking games. I think Arsenal have sold out the Emirates as well. So, all signs good for the WSL season so far. Yeah, it, it's, gonna, it's been a thrilling season so far. And I think to keep it thrilling, we probably need Manchester City to beat Chelsea tonight so they don't start to look like they're running away with the league. Um, but yeah, this is a really, really big weekend, both for top of the league and for Champions League qualification. That, that Chelsea game uh, against Man City, I was uh, fascinated listening to Emma Hayes, as always, in advance of this one. She was saying Chelsea are not overwhelming favourites to, to win the title. She's going to say that anyway. But I mean, the way they're playing, it's... It's hard to see past them, albeit long way from finished. Yeah, of course. But I think she's right in terms of what she was saying about the fact that Chelsea are the only team in in the Champions League. And we know that Emma Hayes really wants to win the Champions League. It's her last opportunity to do it with Chelsea. You know, she's never done it as a head coach. And I think when we get into the, the games that Chelsea have in March against Ajax and potentially further along, you will see Chelsea potentially sacrifice games in the WSL as a result it, it happened last season they went away to Manchester City um, they looked like they just didn't really care they were 2-0 down at half time and Hayes was taking off her best players because they were playing Leon uh, in the week so um, I think obviously from a Chelsea perspective though if they can beat Manchester City tonight they I mean, internally, I'm sure they won't think this, but there'll be six points clear of City and Arsenal. And then you start to think, well, regardless of the Champions League, they're in a very strong position. Jesse, how do you think Emma Hayes has managed to maintain motivation among the Chelsea squad this season, knowing that she's leaving at the end of the campaign? I always go back to when Alex Ferguson announced he was going to retire from Manchester United in 2001-2, and there was a significant drop-off in performance (laughs) until he made a U-turn in his decision. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I guess there's obviously an extent to which it's so based off the mentalities of the players within your squad. And what I think is really interesting about the squad Chelsea assemble is obviously there is a set of very, very talented players. And, you know, Hayes obviously pushes them a lot, but lots of leaders from national teams and things like that. And I think that often has like its own set of like motivations and and desires for success that goes beyond just working together for, for your club and for your manager. But I think it's also, you know, just a reflection of, potentially how both well-loved and how scary Emma Hayes is. I think it's a big squad. If you don't play and if you don't play well, she always says this, you know, she'll drop you, she'll get someone else in. And I think that becomes a motivation too, before you even start thinking about, you know, these are players with long-term contracts and they've got a new coach who's going to be coming in, who they're going to want to look good for, for, for them as well. As for the new coach, so Sonia Bombaster has been heavily linked and Izzy Christensen is saying that Frank Lampard might be a candidate. <laughs> what do you make of that? Uh, if Frank Lampard became Chelsea manager, I think I would be very, very upset. Um, yeah, the the Bombastor links are interesting. Um, she is obviously, on the face of it, she's been a very successful coach in her past couple of years at Lyon, winning French titles. She beat Barcelona in Champions League final. Um, but at the same time, you know, she's a manager who um, is not always seen as being super tactically uh 
successful. And this is kind of the problem that the French League offers is you can win a lot of titles in France if you manage Lyon because you're managing Lyon. And it's sometimes hard to judge how, okay, how good is she as a manager if she's going to come to a league as competitive as the WSL? Um, so I think it will be a really interesting appointment if she if she does come in. It makes it feel, I think, like Chelsea really wants a name um, and wants someone who they can say, like, look, this is someone who's gone and gone and won stuff. And that's obviously quite a small pool of managers because the, the female managerial pool is just um, small in general. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it will be a really interesting one. I don't entirely know what it means for Chelsea, but by the sounds of it, Leon Ziona wanted to get rid of Bompastor at the end of the season anyway. Mm. Um, I'm not sure that reflects well on the club at all uh but yeah it, it will be interesting to see if, if that one gets gets finished off jesse in terms of like i know you're talking about her as a coach and her ability on the pitch to like change up tactics and things but we had like the players tribune article done by bjork on a dustier about the treatment that she had under bomb and the fact that it probably wasn't the best in kind of the opposite to how Emma Hayes has treated some of her players whenever it comes to pregnancy and general life issues that come up whenever you're a footballer that have to be dealt with. There's been some chat that maybe Chelsea are too committed to getting a female coach rather than maybe the right coach. Is that something that you feel? Yeah, I mean, the, the stuff with, with Sarah Bjorg and it is quite a hard thing to pick apart because so much of it seemed to be entangled with Leon's ownership. And it, in the article itself, she, I mean, I assume on purpose, doesn't really make it clear how much Bompastor was involved. But equally, if you look at someone like what Emma Hayes has done, you kind of feel like, you know, are you not able to put your foot down for, for a player like this? And it'll be interesting from a Chelsea perspective because there are a number of players at Chelsea who've left Leon, when Bonpastor was there to move to Chelsea, so Katarina Macario and Kadisha Buchanan both uh, played under in that Champions League final she won. So to that extent, the club will presumably have two players who are great to give their own opinions on Bonpastor, whether they've asked them that or or not. Um, in terms of the the commitment to it being a female manager, it's, it's an intriguing one because it came out as a story that the senior players w- were looking. Or they wanted a female manager. Um, I've since been told that that was not the case. Um, but it seems like someone at Chelsea thought that was the case, hence why the story came out. Um, whether that's because maybe there are people within the club who aren't players who feel like that's important, it, it seems like that that might be true. But then at the same time, it's, it's kind of hard to, to figure it out because really when you look at some of the names that have been linked – it's it's more clear that they're like high profile managers who have happened to be women. And that kind of makes sense as well. Like we're talking in the women's game, lots of the managers who are successful are women. So I don't know. I feel like if there was a, an obviously fantastic male candidate, like if they'd been able to go and get Jonathan Geraldes before he said he was going to Washington Spirit, if he'd wanted to stay in Europe, I don't think Chelsea would have blinked twice about going to get someone like that personally. Um, Bompastor under contract until 2025 uh, so you'd imagine there's significant compensation involved here as well Jesse like it, further to Kathleen's point as well do you think it's right that the players should have a say in, in the successor when it's when it's such a massive decision when someone of the calibre of Emma Hayes is leaving should players be consulted or is that maybe a step too far that that's a decision that should be out of their hands no I think it's I think it's right to consult players and and talk to players. And I think this ties into something that's been talked about more generally in women's football and and sort of, you know, like 
whistleblowing in a certain sense and sort of understanding like what managers are like and how managers want to work with with players and we've seen a, a number of cases you know in Europe and in the US where stuff's come to light about managers afterwards and it, it's felt like these are sort of open secrets within the world of football but for whatever reason ownership sort of ignore them in, in favour of appointing managers who they think and I think having more player involvement in that and being able to talk to players specifically if they've worked with managers or you know they've got friends who work with managers I don't think that's a bad thing at all, bearing as long as you bear in mind that like there are other considerations you have to to take into play. But I think that's worthwhile to have as a picture as a whole, particularly when you know with Chelsea when there are many players in their squad who've been at the club for for years and years and years. You know, um, but yeah, I think obviously you've got to balance it with also recognizing that maybe what you think it might be good for the club in the future might not be what the players think um but i i feel like generally that's that's a worthwhile conversation to be having and despite the doubts about bombastor's credentials they pale into insignificance compared to Frank Lampard's, right? <laughs> that is true. I would take Sonia Bompastor every day of the rest of time before Frank Lampard. <laughs> why, why is that? Can you elaborate on that? Uh, I just find Frank Lampard as a manager very, very bad. Just like no, no tactical planning. Um, I feel like a real nonchalance with his players, um, just to sort of like expectation that stuff will work and get done even though an opposition is clearly much better prepared than you. I remember some of your tweets around the time that he was over Chelsea. You definitely were not. Fantastic player, awful manager. (laughs) (laughs) And also probably like uh, I think sometimes people underestimate the fact that you do need some sort of history in the game. Like while it is all football, you also do need to have some sort of grounding and I don't know if he's the sort of character that would necessarily come in and do a job at Chelsea, especially when the expectations are so high. I heard a little bit of you talking about this on Counter Press, but Ramirez's goal, how were the feelings when you saw that go in? Uh, I was very, very relieved, um, but also just such an incredible finish. She she scored this little back heel flick. To give Chelsea the win against Crystal Palace, they were, they were struggling in, in an FA Cup tie against a good championship side. But I think what most impressed me about that is there's the technical quality of the finish, which, you know, of course, she's a very, very talented player, but also sort of the confidence and willingness to, to try that finish, even at a point where, you know, you've been playing for 80 minutes, you can't break the side down, you're looking at going to extra time. Um, that's what I think was really exciting to see because, you know, I think Ramirez is a player who, who when she came to the club, lots of people might not have known her, might have been surprised that she attracted what was at that time a world record fee although obviously that changed sort of within a week um but i think that kind of just shows the the level of quality and and confidence that that she's got and is why chelsea wanted to bring her in because i almost think you know it's that kind of aura that chelsea have lost without sam kerr and i don't think ramirez is going to come in and immediately have that of course because you know kerr's body of work is so much more substantial than ramirez is but i think in those kind of moments you see the sort of thing that goes beyond the technical ability that, that is why Chelsea really liked her. Ramirez is a funny one because there's a bit of a James Rodriguez about it, not just the Colombian links, but also the fact that uh, like a World Cup performances last last year really put her on the, maybe the international map a little bit. Um, were you su- still surprised that, that Chelsea dipped into the market for, for someone like Ramirez? Fits the age profile and yet they still have a lot of attacking talent even without Sam Kerr. 
Yeah, I was a little bit surprised, to be honest. I think she's a fantastic player, and I think Chelsea had clearly been tracking her for a while and were interested in her. Obviously felt like with what happened to Kerr, they just wanted to push that forward and were willing to push the button on it. I do think it's interesting when you look at Chelsea's squad further down the line. It obviously has been reported that Kerr's signed a new deal, even though the, the, the club haven't announced that. The reports on that sort of came you know, a couple of weeks ago now at this point. But when you look at the sort of the future of, of the players who are going to be at the club, the future of these players for the new manager to to figure out you've got Kerr you've got Ramirez who can play out wide you've got Mia Fischel who was brought in for 250,000 last summer and you know it's clearly firmly a second choice striker given that they brought someone in after her and then you've still got the sort of the question mark over Katarina Macario who you know we've not seen play for Chelsea yet she has played as a 10 in a lot of her career but she likes to play as a nine as well so suddenly you've got four you know very elite strikers um, sitting there at Cobham for the new manager to sort of figure out who exactly is is going to work out as first first choice. And in some ways, you know, that's a good thing. It allows Kerr to take time coming back. Um, you know, Macario, I'm sure, will be in competition for Lauren James for that number 10 spot. But there are a lot of players floating around Chelsea. And I think this is what's going to be particularly interesting with when the new manager comes in because everything we think we know about them or we think we know Emma Hayes thinks about them, all of that could be thrown totally in the air when, when you know, we think Ramirez is a great nine. She is a great nine, but she, she can play really well in front too. And who knows if a new manager comes in and goes, sure, I'm going to play Ramirez and Kerr together. Mm. Um, and all of that then totally changes what you're thinking about the rest of the Chelsea squad and where those players fit in. Jesse, we had the Ireland squad announced yesterday. Ireland Gleeson's first squad as a permanent manager for the games against Italy and Wales next week and the week after. And the final name on the squad would have caused a bit of interest around the country in Emily Murphy. Vera Powell brought her in in 2021 as kind of a side player, but at that stage she hadn't decided whether she was committing to Ireland or England, captained uh, England under 17s, has been over in the US for a little while. You saw her play when she was with Chelsea. Can For anyone who who's probably looking to understand what she's like as a player. What can you tell us about her? Yeah, I think this is potentially super, super exciting for Ireland. Um, she was like the academy player coming through Chelsea, who I was like, this girl is going to be the one. I thought she was so good. Um, you know, she was coming into the Chelsea team at sort of 17, 18, and just looking not out of place at all. You know, a physical striker who will win balls in the box, but also has the kind of technical ability that you'd expect from someone who's come through the, the, the Chelsea Academy. And I think it was really notable at that age, sort of how, yeah, how able she was to sort of play against adults. Sometimes you get those Academy kids come through and you can see like, Oh, you're like, you're really talented, but you're not there yet. Like when it gets to senior football. And I never felt like that about Murphy. And I was quite surprised when she went to America, uh, just because I thought she'd look so good for Chelsea. She'd gone on loan to Birmingham and, I thought obviously that was, you know, it's a very different kind of thing when you're a striker playing in those situations, playing in a relegation battle. But I thought she looked committed. I thought she looked dangerous. Um, and I felt like, you know, going on loan seems to be like the obvious next step for her. She obviously chose to, to go to America. Originally went to, to UNC, which is obviously where players like Alessia Russo, a lot of Moy went. Um, but it seems like it didn't quite work out there and has since moved on to, to Wake Forest. So it'll be interesting, I guess, if, if Irish fans get a chance to, to see her play, to see how maybe she has developed in that time. Um, but yeah, in terms of like watching her before she went there as, as a 17, 18 year old, I, I thought she was great. And I think potentially just could really suit the way Ireland want to play in terms of being able to offer a real, real box presence. 
Is she the sort of player that will get goals for Ireland? Because that's something that we've struggled with quite a lot in the past. And probably Vera Powell found her recipe in having Kira Caruso up front and being supported by McCabe and Denise Sullivan. But going into League A, we're not going to be able to probably play in the same way that we want to uh, and if she develops a bit more over the next while is that a potential key to unlocking our attack yeah I think what Murphy's profile you know should offer Ireland is sort of the ability to to do more of the hold up play to be the person who's in the box to be the person who's making the runs off defenders and maybe pulling them out of position a bit more um, as opposed to sort of needing those runners off players to get people further up I think she is someone who who suits that you know if you if you're just looking for like McCabe to be putting balls into the box she's going to be someone who's willing to be able to get on the end of it and I think has both the physical and technical capability uh, to do that obviously you know, it, she's going to be playing college football for the past three years. Senior football's a, a big jump up. But I think, you know, in terms of how she could potentially develop based on, you know, the skills she had a couple of years ago, I, I don't see any reason why, like, she, she shouldn't thrive. If uh, first against second is too mainstream for your liking, you have third against fourth tomorrow in the WSL. Arsenal against Manchester United. It's a sellout at the Emirates, Jesse. I presume, does that favour Arsenal massively in terms of a, of a result here for all three points? Or how do you think that game's going to go? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, this one, because um, I feel like United's best win of the season was at the Emirates in front of not quite a sold-out crowd, but a very big crowd where they came from behind to, to win 2-1 in the end. And Alessia Russo scored the winner, uh, obviously, for Manchester United. So that kind of t- uh, makes this this game a bit bit of fun. Um, I think what's exciting for Arsenal, and I don't want this to sound patronising, but they're selling really well, even though they're not necessarily playing really well. And I think that's a really good sign. I think it's easy when teams are playing well to be like, yeah, everyone wants to go and see them. They're really good. And I'm like, no, like these people really, really care about Arsenal because then you're not like guaranteed to show up and, and see a win. And I think that's actually really, really important. Um, it's going to be a really interesting game I think for Arsenal it does really feel like they have to have to win and I think for United they're in quite an intriguing position because they probably felt like oh we've already fallen off the top three Champions League opportunities gone whereas now because Arsenal have dropped points to teams like West Ham United know if they win this they're right back in that as well so it should be like a super competitive fixture the the away game for Arsenal so the the game in Manchester early in the year was a real strange one where it was sort of like just listed with errors from both sides and it wasn't like a great watch um, even though it was it finished 2-2 and Chloe Lucas scored a fantastic equaliser in that so it'll be interesting to see sort of what both teams have learned about each other since then um, because I think both of them have had a a really tough season um, in reality and for whoever wins if a team does win this I think could be a real boost either for Arsenal to feel like maybe they could still be in the title race particularly because they'll know what the Chelsea City result is and if City have won and Arsenal win you you would say they'd be back in it um, but I think if, if Arsenal lose then yeah that that will reflect quite badly I think on Jonas side of that. Yeah, it should be an interesting weekend in the WSL. So Chelsea Man City tonight, 7.15. Arsenal Manchester United tomorrow, half past 12. And then four games across Sunday. It's Brighton Liverpool at 12 noon. Everton versus West Ham from one. Tottenham versus Aston Villa at two o'clock. And Leicester City against Bristol City is the three o'clock kickoff. Jesse, thanks a million for hopping on as always. Thanks for having me. Brilliant stuff. Jesse Parker Humphreys with us there talking WSL. Uh, I think she's got us excited for, for Emily Murphy as well. Off the ball. Breakfast. With Optimum Nutrition. There's more of you in you.
Unlock it with the world's number one sports nutrition brand.